0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Friday podcast. Um, today, I'm going to be rounding up the games during Game Week 17 for you. Um, there was one game called off to due to coronavirus. That was the Fulham versus Burnley game, um, so that will be played at a later date. Um, we'll hop straight into it uh, into Friday's games. Uh, the first game of the game week was Everton versus West Ham. Um quite a cagey game, really, not an awful lot going either way. Um same similar number of shots, West Ham getting a few more on target, but Everton dominating a large percent of the game uh with 60% possession. Um it was sort of a real snatching grab from West Ham, Thomas Suchek getting the goal very late on in the 86th minute. Um it was strange the position he took up for the goal. Um Suchek, who is a, a CDM, um was, was able to find himself in the box after a good run, um, deflecting off an Everton defender into his path and putting it into an open goal past Pickford. Um, so again, a fantastic for, result for West Ham. Um, as to how that impacts both teams in the table, um, that is Everton's fifth loss of the season, um, but they do have a good, a good record um, in their last five games. They've won four and only lost one. Um, that places them seventh in the table, and then West Ham are sitting 10th in the table with 26 points. Um, so again there's not an awful lot when you look at the table it's a very strange season uh, you know West Ham are only three points off uh, fourth fourth place, um, fourth place is Tottenham with 29 points um, so again it's anybody's game to play for really this season it's, it's a very strange season uh, the fluctuation in the Premier League teams going up and down the table but we'll have to wait and see how it pans out but again a fantastic result for David Moyes' team and, and we'll have to see how they finish off uh, finish off the season. Um, the second game of Friday was Manchester United versus versus Aston Villa. Now we know the strong position Manchester United are in; um, they're level on points with Liverpool at the time of it being played. Um, so it was very interesting to see how they approached the game. Again, they looked very very strong going forward, uh, putting kind of nineteen shots with nine in target against Villa's fifteen and five. Um, Villa actually did have slightly more possession, but it, it just seemed that United had a bit more quality on the day. Um you have to give credit to Villa. They gave Manchester United a very, very good game. Um Grealish again looking really, really sharp and, and having a few words with Ole and Solskjaer at the at the end of the game, sharing a few smiles. Um so so could that be a transfer that could possibly go ahead in the summer? We'll have to wait and see. But again, it was Anthony Martial getting on the score sheet, uh, fantastic cross from Aaron Wan Basaka. And it looked like Tyrone Mings kinda of mis misread the ball and Martial was able to head in from from a quite a difficult angle actually. Um past uh, Emmy Martinez. Um so United did go 1-0 up at half time. As we moved into the second half, Villa again looked uh, looked the threat as they did all game and they were able to get a bit of joy down the left-hand side with Jack Grealish crossing crossing the ball into Bertrand Traore who equalized for Villa. Um as the game progressed, uh 3 minutes later actually Paul Pogba went down in the box and it was a it was a bit of a debatable penalty. So when you look at the replay, um Douglas Luiz Douglas Luiz for for Aston Villa does get the wrong side of Pogba, but it's it's the contact aspect. Uh, his arm did go across, but it looked like the penalty was for the clip of the heel. Now whether that was Pogba falling over falling over his own legs or there was in fact a clip of Douglas Luiz, it's very hard to see from the angle that we were shown. Um, but nevertheless, uh, VAR did have a look and didn't deem it as a clear and obvious error, so that was a penalty to Manchester United. Um, And of course, Bruno Fernandes from the spot, usually very reliable, and he did put United 2-1 up in that game. Um, And that's how the game ended. It was a very kind of nervy last 10 minutes, um, Villa attacking a lot, um, and United were able to hold out for the victory at the end. So a valuable three points for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and his team. That puts them again level, uh, level on top of the table, um, with Liverpool yet to play, and we'll discuss the Liverpool game at the end. Uh, the Saturday lunchtime kickoff was Tottenham versus Leeds United. Um, it was going to be an interesting game. Before you, before the game was played, you you were kind of thinking our Leeds going to be a bit more reserved because you knew how how Mourinho's team play. They'll kind of soak up the pressure, very organized defensively, and you'd think Leeds would need to be a bit more disciplined um as we go into the game it was a, a dodgy penalty that spurs got in the 29th minute where steven Bergwine was was fouled um the debate here was whether it was in the box or not now the left leg of Bergwine was outside the box and that seemed to be the leg that was swept by the leeds defender um but vr didn't didn't deem it because he was kind of half in the box and half out um vr didn't didn't give it a free kick or didn't rule it out so that was up to harry kane then from the penalty spots um and again like bruno fernandez he rarely misses so that was 1-0 to spurs um later on towards the end of the first half it was a a fantastic harry kane cross into human son and and just the way that kane was able to read the son movement he, he almost knew where to cross it before son had even moved so fantastic cross from kane and son was able to 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 put a simple tap in into the back of the net so to put um to put tottenham 2-0 up and and I think that's something that you have to look at how how harry kane has been able to adapt his game you know looking a few years back he seemed to be very much a penalty box striker but as he's progressed and Um, as he's developed under Jose Mourinho and and Pochettino um, in previous seasons you know he's adapted his game a lot more he's able to he's able to spray passes to the left to the wings and and his link-up play has improved massively so I have to give a lot a lot of credit to Harry Kane on on how his game has progressed and he's somebody that I I really do enjoy watching these days and the way he's able to link up with Son and, and bring other Tottenham players into the game is just fantastic um Aside from that, moving into the second half of the game, again, Leeds struggling to kind of get a grip in the game. Um, despite having a lot of shots, Leeds weren't able to convert. And it was uh, a Toby Alderweireld uh, header off a corner that was able to give them the lead. Um, goal line technology did come into play and it was it was very, very marginally over the line. Um, and that gave Tottenham the, the 3-0 lead. And ultimately, the three points that that they they deserved. Um, again, Leeds. When you look at the possession stats, sixty four percent possession. Um, had eighteen shots, only two fewer than Tottenham. So Leeds were definitely in the game. It's just about defensive discipline for Leeds. And um, when we talk about Leeds, it's difficult to have defensive discipline when you have the style of play they have. You know, you've got guys bombing forward, high energy, and I think, um. I think if Leeds want to want to move forward in the Premier League and want to establish themselves as a really, really strong Premier League team, they need to sacrifice a bit of their kind of gung-ho nature and sure up the defence. Calvin Phillips needs to be a bit more disciplined, in my opinion, um, as the, the furthest midfielder back and kind of offer a bit of protection because even him, I've seen him play kind of get the ball and carry it out in the wings and you're kinda of thinking to yourself, you know, if if the opposition team were to gain possession, you know, you're completely out of position. But again, that's something that leads one will uh, will eventually improve on you know Bielsa's been in the game a long time he knows full well that if Leeds do want to progress they're going to have to make a few changes but you know in terms of a neutral point of view Leeds are fantastic to watch the the games they play they're always going to guarantee goals whether the, whether it's for or against them um so yeah again uh Leeds a 3-0 defeat for them that's them 12th in the league table on 23 points and um Tottenham that moves them up to fourth place so they're in the Champions League spots um 29 points and and Jose Mourinho looks like he's got a bit of consistency a bit of kind of he's he's definitely steadied the ship at Tottenham and, and gotten the best out of the players he has there so it will be interesting to see how both Leeds and Tottenham finish the season um, but we'll move on nevertheless. Um, on to the next game of the Saturday was um Crystal Palace versus Sheffield United. Um we all know how much Sheffield United have been struggling this season, but uh, again it was a very even affair. Um both teams having similar shots and shots and target. Sheffield actually having more of the possession and creating um creating more passes, but it was um Crystal Palace who took the lead very very early on with a Jeffrey Slip goal. Um Slip playing on that left-hand side of a 4-4-2. Um uh who it's uh, usually Eze who plays there, but I suppose it was a bit of rotation from, from Roy Hodgson. Um, there was then an injury to Jeffrey Slip, actually, and Eze did come on, and he scored a fantastic solo goal in the 45th minute Um with a few minutes added on, so Eze looks like a a really really good buy for Crystal Palace. You know, you look at um, teams when they've bought from the Championship. You know, there's some there's been some great successes in terms of um, you know you look at James Madison who they bought from Norwich. Deli Ali came from came from MK Dons who who might have even been in League One at that stage. But you know the Championship is is somewhere where there's definitely a good a good few hidden gems, and and Eze seems to be definitely one of them. Um, he was one of the standout players for for QPR last year and uh, he seems to have continued his form into the premier league you know the the higher stage doesn't seem to phase him at all and for 15 million that looks like a, a fantastic buy for crystal palace so that was um palace going in 2-0 at half time and that was also how the game finished 2-0 to palace um and palace you know kind of looking they have to be. They have to be a wary, Palace. They are looking down. You know, I think if it was if it was a normal season, they might have to worry a bit more. But because the teams at the bottom are actually doing so bad, I think that that creates a a, a good gap for Roy Hodgson and his team. Um, and they can they can be a bit more content with with how they're doing. Um, they're currently sitting on twenty two points, and Sheffield United, you know, again sitting on two points. Another loss for them. They've they've got two draws and fifteen losses so far this season. And it's just really, really difficult to see at this stage how they can claw it back. Um, you know, it's it's been a strange season for for Sheffield United. You know, um, I look back before before the lockdown happened, and they were fantastic. And and I kind of wonder has the has the fans aspect, the fans not being in the grounds, affected them? But um, that's definitely an aspect. But it's it's very difficult to see the kind of at what point did did Sheffield United fall off? You know. Um, Again, yeah, only two draws this season, not a single win to their name and it's going to be a really long, hard season for Sheffield United um, and definitely one that it looks like they'll be playing championship football next season. Uh, Moving on to the next game of the Saturday uh, was Brighton versus Wolves. Now, this game was full of goals, um, both teams exchanging shots, uh, 13 shots for Brighton. Eleven for Wolves, four each on target. Um, Brighton slightly edging on the possession with fifty-five percent, but it was Aaron um, Connolly who took the lead early for Brighton. Um, he looks like a great striker. Um, it's difficult to know how Brighton play. You know that they're playing um, sometimes five at the back with with the three up front or the two up front. Um, Graham Potter doesn't seem to hesitate in terms of how he changes the shape and the personnel of his team. Um, we saw recently when Brighton played Arsenal, they left Trossard out, they left Maupay out. Um, they left Connolly out, all these players were on the bench, so um, he seems to have a lot of faith in, in the, the squad depth especially that he has. Um, so that was interesting to see, Connolly getting Brighton off to a great start, putting them 1-0 up, but then shortly after Wolves were able to equalise due, due to Roman Sice um, in the 19th minute. Um, Dan uh, Then a Dan Byrne own goal gave Wolves the 2-1 lead, and follow, shortly followed by a Ruben Neves' penalty in the 44th minute put Leeds 3-1 up at half-time. Uh, sorry, not Leeds Wolves. Wolves, uh, three-one up at halftime. Um, and again, you look at Brighton, you kind of thinking uh, a lower placed uh, Premier League side. You know how they're gonna how they're gonna respond, and they responded straight away into the second half with a Neil Maupay penalty, uh, from the spot, making it three-two, and it just looked like Brighton had a bit of. Um, they they had everything on their side at this stage. They had the momentum and they pushed forward. And um, again, from a corner in the 70th minute, Lewis Dunk was able to provide the equaliser, making it three three in this Brighton versus Wolves game. Um, a fantastic result for Brighton. A really a really valuable point. And I think it shows the I think it shows the resilience that they have within their team and the faith that the manager has put, put in all their players. Um, Brighton are sitting uh, 17th in the table with 14 points. Um, this is after seventeen games played, and uh, again, they're 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 one of the teams that are definitely in a relegation battle. They need to be picking up as many points as they can. You know, they've got four draws and uh, one loss in their last five games. If they can string a few wins together, I, I don't have any doubt that uh, Brighton can can make their way um, into the Premier League again next year, just ensuring their safety. Um, Again, I think they're in a they're in a very lucky position because the teams below them, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield, they're 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 not doing very well, so um I think if you're a Brighton fan you should consider yourself lucky that the teams below them are, are even worse. But again, you know, the they have some personnel there who can who can really make an impact, so it will be interesting to see how Brighton fare for the rest of the season. As for Wolves, they're kind of firmly sitting in mid table, seventeen games played, um twenty-two points. Um a very kind of up and down season for Wolves, you know, usually you would kind of see them up and up in the top eight, but they seem to be struggling. You know, they, uh, they've dropped a lot of points recently. Um, Two wins, two draws, sorry, one win, two draws and two losses in their last five games. So um, we've seen Nuno uh, especially come out and say that some of the refereeing decisions aren't good enough, but I think sometimes you have to look at your own players and, uh, and kind of see where you're going wrong and to, to, to especially in this game to be 3 1 up and, and draw 3 3 is simply unacceptable. So um I think it's back to the drawing board for Wolves, but no doubt they're are in no risk of relegation at all. They'll be looking up and see if they can they can try and finish um finish their season in the top half of the table. Um, the next game of the day was the was a very snowy uh game actually it was West Brom versus Arsenal um, Arsenal coming off uh, two wins on the bounce uh, against Chelsea and Brighton um, and they got off to a fantastic start in this game with a Kieran Tierney goal um, fantastic solo goal uh, looked like he was uh, out in the wing ready to cross a ball in but he managed to find his way in the fullback um, cut inside and, and a right-footed strike into the top corner from Tierney um, this this game I was hugely, hugely impressed with Kieran Tierney and how he played you know, in a struggling Arsenal team he's been, he's been a player that has... Um, Consistently performed, and I think he's going to be he's going to be a real asset to Mikel Arteta if he is able to turn it around. Um, that that Kieran Tierney goal came in the twenty third minute, and shortly after Bukayo Saka was able to make it two. Where uh, a fantastic team move and a team goal from Arsenal. Um, Emile Smith Rowe played a huge part in this goal, where he was able to play it into Saka, who play, was then able to play it into Lacazette, who chipped it over the defence. Into Smith Rowe, who squared it to Saka, who was uh, able to put the ball back into um, an empty West Brom net. And you have to, you have to kind of question West Brom if they are to stay up. Can they, can they shore up the defense here? Because traditionally, when you go to West Brom, looking at past seasons, they've they've sat back, they've been very hard to break down. But this game, Arsenal. It's difficult to see whether Arsenal were just too good or West Brom weren't good enough. But you have to give credit to Arsenal. One of the best team goals I've seen this season. And again, it's that man Saka stepping up for Arsenal. Um, a 19-year-old kid amongst uh, a lot of guys kind of paid a lot more money than he is. So, um, yeah, Saka, again, has been fantastic for Arsenal this season. And a, and a great team goal going into time 2-0 up. Um, into the second half... Uh, Arsenal again on top for a large majority of the game, Alexandre Lacazette was able to get on the score sheet in the 60th minute and shortly after in the 64th minute he was able to get his brace making it 4-0 to Arsenal and uh, pretty much putting the game to bed. Um, Arsenal completely dominant in this game, 21 shots, 12 on target, 62% possession, Um, getting a lot of passes, a lot of nice link-up play, and I think we're slowly starting to see the Arsenal that we expected under Mikel Arteta, you know, that's three wins on the bounce now, and it really does look like a turning point in their season, Um, they're sitting 11th on the table, and when you look at, when you think to yourself, Arsenal have had such a disastrous season, but um, after this result, they're only three points behind Chelsea, uh, who are in ninth? so when you kind of think about the money Frank Lampard is spending against Chelsea, you know, 200, 200 million plus he's spent on guys like Werner, Havertz, um, the the new keeper as well, you know, and then Arsenal who have lost all these games and yet are only three points behind, it's kind of astonishing to think really and uh, it really shows the, the crazy season we are having. But again, a valuable three points for Arsenal and Mikel Arteta and uh, yeah, it looks like there's some real progression happening. Uh, with this Arsenal team. As for West Brom, they're still struggling, second from bottom in the league table. Um, only one win and five draws. Uh, for West Brom, so again, they're gonna have to start picking up points soon. Otherwise, it's gonna look like a look like a long, a long hard season for them. Our first game of the Sunday was Newcastle United versus uh Leicester City. Um. Again, the first half was was very kind of cagey. It wasn't a game full of goals um, in the first half, especially. Anyway, um, we've seen the struggles that kind of Newcastle have been having out of possession. They're not very good. Leicester, or uh, I've always looked sharp. You know, the last few seasons, they're really trying to push on to become a, an established kind of European or Champions League team. Um, in the first half, it was a stalemate, nil nil. Um moving on to the second half, James Madison was able to score from a cutback from Jamie Vardy. Um, Vardy, fantastic play from him, very unselfishly um, squaring it to Madison who fired in. Um, and again, that was a fantastic goal. Uh, there was definitely chances for Leicester throughout this game, but it was it was the one when it came down to it, Vardy could have had a shot, but again, unselfishly squared to Madison to make it one 0 to Leicester City. Um, following that Leicester on the attack again and uh, they were able to on the edge of the box it was Yuri Tielemans um, able to fire in fantastic Carl's strike around the defender and the keeper uh, having no chance so 2-0 to Leicester, 72 minutes gone um, towards the end of the game 10 minutes later Andy Carroll was able to get one back for, for Newcastle off a corner um, a fantastic fantastic strike from Carroll um, and Leicester again taking all, all three points away away at Newcastle um, as for how they both stand on the table, that's Leicester up to third, only one point behind Manchester United um and Liverpool uh having played seventeen games, United having played sixteen and Liverpool having also played seventeen. Um Leicester looking really, really impressive this season. It will be able to it'll be interesting, I think, to see how Leicester go towards the end of the season because we saw them fall off. Um last season they were in third for a large majority of the year. Um, again, COVID might have affected them. the The no fans could have been a factor. Um, I think there was a nine point gap uh, at one point between Leicester and United, who did Manchester United, who did eventually finish third. Um, but again, it was it, they had a lot of injuries, so I, I think it's important for Brendan Rodgers to keep all the players fit. Um, he's shown he has the consistency and, and the knowledge to how to get wins. Um, so it will be interesting. You know, he's beaten he's beaten Manchester City away. Um, uh, got a draw against uh, against United so he's well able to get points against the big teams i think it's just keeping all his players fit and uh keeping the consistency he has so far moving on to the last uh the last game of sunday was chelsea versus manchester city now this was the the big game of the weekend um very built up because of the fact that uh, lampard has lampard and chelsea have been struggling recently and man city not exactly on the on the kind of hot streak you'd usually see them on. Um, early in the game, Ilkay Gundogan was able to turn and finish into the, the bottom corner. Um, after a fantastic bit of play from him, you know, he let it come across his body and, and struck struck into the bottom corner with, with Edward Mendy standing no chance at all. Uh, three minutes later, uh, Phil Foden was able to get on the score sheet after De Bruyne played a pass across the across the box where he was able to kind of tuck it in into the near post. Um again this first half was was completely dominated by man city um when you look at the game it was a very strange one because chelsea did have 55% of the possession overall but it was a strange approach from manchester city because they they were playing with kevin de bruyne in a in a false nine role um with with aguero obviously not fit jesus out for out for covid um it was very much kind of a counter attacking type of type of game from manchester city and and chelsea's midfield especially just simply weren't up for it um with it being 2-0 after Foden struck, uh, Kevin De Bruyne made it 3-0 after after a counter-attack, um, where, where Raheem Sterling was one-on-one on goal with Mendy, but um, hit the post and, and De Bruyne was able to follow it in for, for number three. Again, Chelsea just looking toothless really all game. Um, their midfield wasn't good enough. Uh, they're moving the ball very slowly. Again, Werner was on a lot of the game, didn't really do anything. Havertz came on off the bench, didn't really do anything. And you kind of have to question, is it the players here or is it the manager? Um, either way, something's not working here at Chelsea and the, the pressure's piling on Frank Lampard. Um, they were able to get a consolation goal um, by Callum Hudson-Odoi in the 92nd minute, but um, again, it didn't really mean much in the context of the game. Um, that puts Manchester City into fifth place, but they have only played 15 games whilst other teams like Leicester and Liverpool have played 17. Um so they're definitely still still in the title race. I have no doubt in my mind. Chelsea down to ninth now um they they've drawn five and lost five so far this season, and when you look at their last five games, it's been kind of three losses, a win and a draw, simply not good enough for for Frank Lampard's team when you consider the amount of money they've spent and the quality they have on their side so um it will be interesting to see if Lampard will last the full season um and where Chelsea and man City will finish is is it just simply a slow slow start for Man City? And will they get the consistency they've had uh, during past seasons, or or is it going to be kind of a another season of kind of a lot of wins, a few draws, maybe the odd loss? It's difficult to see how they're going to re- replicate that kind of ninety point season they had for Liverpool. Definitely not this season. I think whoever does win the title will it will be on a on an eighty eighty point total, eighty to ninety points. Um, so obviously not the not the same consistency of previous seasons. But I think when you look back, you've got the 100-point the City season, that that season that they won where they finished on 98 points, I think it was, and Liverpool finished on 97, uh, you're not going to see that this season. It's going to be a real kind of slog, um, it's just whoever can get the wins together simply and, and we'll have to see if Manchester City are that team. Moving on to the final game of the game week, it was Monday night's game and this was Southampton versus Liverpool. Um, again, with United Manchester United hot in Liverpool's tail, it was important that they were uh, that they got the three points here at Southampton to kind of ease the pressure. Um, but only two minutes in, Danny Ings was able to chip over Allison off a, a Southampton free kick. Um, it was interesting to see the uh, interesting to see the approach of the the free kick from Southampton's perspective because you had Stuart Armstrong in the free kick, kind of um, holding holding Henderson back. Um, so he was unable to. So the goal came from the near post. Arm, Armstrong's kind of in the middle of, of all the players. Uh, he was able to kind of push Henderson back, and Henderson was saying Wijnaldum kind of came over to him to to mark as well. That ultimately created a kind of a two one situation for Trent Alexander-Arnold, where he had Walcott and Ings near him. And uh, again, when the cross came into the near post, Walcott missed it. Trent missed it, but Danny Ings was able to chip it over Allison. Fantastic. Uh, a fantastic goal from a Southampton perspective. And Liverpool 1 0 down. Um, throughout the entire game, Liverpool tried and tried to break down the Southampton defence uh, in total in the game, having 17 shots and having 67% possession, you know um 675 passes they tried and, and tried to get make their way through the Southampton defense but again Southampton defending brilliantly i must say um some standout players Kyle Walker Peters Jack Stevens they 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 were able to nullify the threat of Salah Firmino and Mane very very well um a possible shout for a penalty for Liverpool um a handball by a defender as he was kind of uh sliding into the ground back turned but his hand uh did look in a natural position and and VAR felt um it wasn't enough to overrule so so again Southampton seeing the game into the second half still 1-0 up Liverpool continually pushing and and ultimately that that was enough uh for Southampton to get all three points against Liverpool um you could see Ralph Hasenhüttl breaking down into tears it, it showed how much it meant to him Jurgen Klopp very frustrated. You could see that in his, his in his post match interview, and and that meant that um, Liverpool have played now an extra game over Manchester United, um, level on points now. So if United win against Burnley, that puts them three points ahead, and then we've got a real real title race on his on our hands. But. Um, you look at Liverpool's kind of away form this season, it's been really it's not been very good. You know, they've had um I think it's five draws away from home. Um in their last five games, they've had two draws and a loss, you know. It's it's a difficult season, but um it'll be interesting to see how Liverpool respond to this. Is this the turning point in the season for Manchester United to kinda of say, right, Liverpool are slipping up here, let's let's take control. All the inconsistency of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's team creep through um again that's a huge result in the context of the Premier league you've got teams like Manchester city tottenham as well who are not are, who are not too far behind and they have the quality of personnel to to push for the league title so i think that's a huge huge result in the context of of other teams in the Premier league and, and who can take advantage um but that's all the games for for this game week um i hope you did enjoy um i think this episode might be might be slightly longer uh it, uh, than the usual games because I've kind of tried to add in a few more statistics and a bit of background um, background information on all the teams. So um, of course, if you if you did enjoy, remember to hit the follow button. Uh, I'll be back every game week covering the the matches and and my thoughts on them. Um, so yeah, that's all from me. Um, goodbye.